we become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit if she wished. Mine! It's with the ancestors! I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and no one wants... Oh, I didn't pull my quote up. Where is it? No one wants a fat trainer at the gym. Oh my gosh, that was so scary. <laughs> We're leaving all of that in. Yeah, we will, we will. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and what is it? Bring your daughter to work day or something? Ooh, there it is. Oh my gosh, I'm sweating right now. I, I forgot to scroll because I went and did the intro, but I didn't put my quote... My intro quote up by my name, and I had I'll have what she's having still up from last oh, week. Dear God! Oh my gosh! Okay, well, okay, I'm back on I'm back on track. The important thing is you you were bringing Tyne Daly into the conversation. Yes, not a moment too soon. And so, listen, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's just about talking about Tyne Daly as soon as possible. That's right. Exactly. Even if you stumble, it's all about the effort. Hey, you know, it's uh, I feel like I feel like Justice of the Peace Tyne Daly would have some wise thing to say about that. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad she had a little moment because I when you said that she was in it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't even remember what she I mean, obviously, she's the Justice of the Peace, but I couldn't remember if she was just some bit player. And, you know, she had a moment. So we'll obviously talk about that. Yes, absolutely. I I I'll, I'll say this now because I can't save it anymore i have already put just justice of the peace time daily on the same shelf as darcy Carden and other people <gasps> wow in terms that of is like high praise that's high praise best featured ensemble like for a moment took the whole movie and was like oh it's mine right now yeah and uh and and the movie in question is of course 2016's uh, cinematic, well made for HBO, conclusion to the series Looking, Looking, the movie. Yeah, aka like season three of Looking, I feel, is what they were kind of aiming to do with this. And they only had the budget for a movie, but I'll take it. An hour and a half. Love yeah, that. an hour and 25 minutes. I mean, oh, and, even better. and boy, did they fly. I was like, oh, because by the time it was over, I was like, oh, that was an hour and 25 minutes? Oh. Yeah, it wow. really takes off. I'm I'm so eager and anxious and excited to talk about this with you. I don't know like how you felt about it. I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this because it had been since 2016 since I have seen this. And Keon remembered so much of this. I mean, at least it sounded like he did when he was talking. He was remembering like very specific moments about uh, specifically like Patrick and Kevin's like coffee talk. Mm -hmm. which is a great scene, by the way. But um, I, I'll stop talking. What are your initial thoughts on looking? This is your first dive into this show, right? This is my absolute first dive into this show. I don't think I've even, like, 
ever put on an episode before. I, I, I've known so little about looking that this whole time I keep describing Lauren Weedman's character as the sister. She's nobody's sister. Yeah, sister energy, though, yeah. Big sister energy. But I guess for the longest time, I thought that she was Dom's sister. And it was certainly confirmed for me this episode by the end when she revealed that she had always fantasized about having a baby with Dom. And I thought, well, hey, it's San Francisco. It's it's a different place, it, you know? Yeah. Own beat, That's own right. drum. Uh, yeah. Who am I to judge? Uh, keeping my mind open. Yeah, keeping my mind open, keeping my heart safe. And yeah. uh, but no, Doris is is I mean, she's just a friend as far as I've as yes. I've gathered at this point. Um, I really enjoyed this, and I have to say the the preface of this being my first you know my first glance at looking so to speak, wonka wonka wonka. Ah, there it uh, is. Is that this was this was so fascinating to watch without the context of the first two seasons. I kind of loved not go not knowing what the relationship dynamics were going in and it made it just feel like a movie that was leaning heavily on showing and not telling and i thought oh i feel like i'm watching a like a movie that is trusting its audience to figure it out and is not and it still had a little bit of exposition here and there but was like it was just kind of a i don't know it was like a refreshing experience to have to figure it out from context and it I feel like it made me enjoy this even more than I might have if I knew everybody going in. Oh, I love that. And I think that's, it's a really cool angle to approach, I guess, this episode too, because I I can kind of fill in some of those blanks, but to be honest, like, that was a long time ago. Like, the 20, you said 2016, so like season one and two or 2014, 2015. I can't even remember like what I had for breakfast this morning, let alone. But I, I do remember some stuff, so I'll, I'll be sure to sprinkle that in. But I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I feel like there's so much to unpack with Patrick as our, like, honestly, an antagonist. I don't think he's a protagonist in this because he's kind of like Carrie Bradshaw in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting experience watching this was like, oh, I because I, going in, I'm like, OK, so Patrick is our is our main character and is kind of like the, you know, the emotional journey we're going on. But as it went on, I was like, Patrick is kind of a flawed protagonist at the bare minimum like i don't align with patrick i don't no. i don't agree with a lot of his ideas and and it, it's kind of an interesting context to think about this because you know, not to jump all the way to the end but there was this part of me that was like watching the last you know the last scene with him and richie and i was like this is not this is not healthy this is not yeah. healthy uh, really, like not these. This is not how you make these decisions. But I, I guess, much like Carrie Bradshaw, it seemed to me this idea that like Patrick will always be Patrick. Yeah, I mean, Richie is just like the goosiest of gooses. I, I think I might honestly go back and rewatch both seasons. And I know I say a lot of shit that I'm gonna watch, and I never do. But I, I'm. I'm very galvanized by this. I, I would love to go back and watch it now because I feel like I was just reading, and by reading, I mean skimming, an article that was like in IMDb that linked to IndieWire about how Patrick Tovey, Patrick Tovey, Russell Tovey, who plays um, Kevin, like this was not a well, it's like not a lot of people watch this. And I know like there's always that sort of conversation that anytime something queer comes out, like, 
all the queer people ruin it and pick it apart. Mm-hmm. And I think like in this weird span of time in like 2014 through 2016, like we didn't give this show a chance. And uh, Keon and I watched it and we really liked it a lot. And I feel like I wish it could come back in a way like comeback style, like, you know, how many years later, where are these characters now? I'd be so interested because like, I do think the writing is very good. And I think the acting is even better because a lot of times queer movies, sometimes you have one or the other, or maybe it's just a little rough around the edges. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, I I think Queer as Folk is a great example. It's a great kind of comparison point. I know you haven't you haven't really seen the, the American- reboot or oh no i haven't seen yeah the, either really yeah like the first american uh the yeah, one that lasted yeah. for all i mean you know filmed in pittsburgh um i know i know <laughs> I, that much i do know yes oh and then and that's when i was like oh i didn't realize pittsburgh was so gay and then i like applied to <laughs> university of pittsburgh just in case yes, you know of course. um because i was like wow they, they've really got it going on and it's like Toronto. Well, what's in Pittsburgh? I'm, I'm I know, sure, yeah. I'm sure Pittsburgh is is plenty gay, I'm sure. That's right. Yes, yes. Um yes. but uh yeah, the I mean I think comparing looking to the American queers folk, um, I think in terms of the what you're talking about, whereas like queerest folk was in some ways like Sex in the City at its worst or and just like that any episode where like you accepted sure. some of the clunkiness because you just kind of I don't know it's kind of like when you go to Denny's at 2 a.m. you're like okay I mean I'm not expecting you know Wolfgang Puck you know what I mean yeah. but I'm hungry and they have French toast and like everything's over come, Miami yeah right exactly and so like and every time I come here at 2 a.m. at least I can get moons over Miami and yeah um, and I just kind of, and I think that was, that was kind of the appeal other than Sharon Glass, you know, Tyne Daly's, you know, the Cagney to da- Tyne Daly's Lacey, of course. Yeah. Um, oh, and I love that connection that Cagney and Lacey. Oh my uh, God. I'm going to get those That's two cool. together again. Uh, <gasps> right. Great. That's what we need to be rebooting. Yeah. Cagney and Lacey. Um, yes. But this was no, I mean, this this was great. This was like, yeah, well written, well acted. I really liked all the characters. I I I think the the second best thing to a show being brought back, and sometimes that can fail, is like a show being rediscovered. And yeah. I mean, I would I hope for anybody listening right now, I know that I might I might even go back and watch it now that I've, yeah. you know, I don't feel like anything's been spoiled. Um but maybe somebody listening is like, you know what? That looking show. Maybe I'll give that looking show a go just because of this episode. Yeah, I feel like there's like this surge recently. Like everyone's going back and watching girls and it's like mm. it like quote unquote hits differently now. And I feel like it. this is another show that definitely could because I agree with you as far as that idea of like catching up with these characters now like what would be new or fresh like and part of the original in that article that that people were complaining about i guess russell tovey was like filming outside some coffee shop or something and uh these gays of course walk by and they're like oh my god you're in looking like i don't watch it i heard it's boring but that's so cool and like that that was the sort of 
there wasn't enough drama. It's like mm-hmm. when we talk about drag race, it's like we don't want RuPaul's best friend race, but we don't want too much drama. It's finding that like perfect balance. I think I had heard that about the show that like, oh, it's kind of boring, whatever. And maybe that even stopped me where I was like, oh, like how many episodes will it take before I get into it? But I would say, you know, this movie didn't necessarily have much in the way of conflict either. And I wasn't mm-hmm. bored at all. I really think the, for me, what I think makes this interesting is the kind of the sum of its parts, is the great acting, is the really great dialogue, is the great kind of like chemistry between the actors. It feels like there's lots of moments of improv, especially with Lauren Weedman. That that can't be oh, scripted. Yes. Oh, oh my god, I know. Yes, either that or she's like the greatest actress of our time. Yeah, right. And yeah. I'm willing to accept either truth because she is yes. truly in a show full of gays. She is she is just such BSA material. I am always yeah. excited when Doris is on the screen. I know, and I guess my biggest um not my biggest takeaway, but I wanted because there's some great Dom and Dora scenes. Like I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, that they they almost had sort of like this will and grace pact that they were gonna have a kid together, right. and then Dom met, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? He met like an older gay and like, oh my goodness, and he's he's uh Scott Bakula. I don't know how <gasps> I remember that. Oh yeah, and he has this like really beautiful sort of relationship with him but it's like it never quite takes off um and you know and maybe in my mind i think that was this the what sort of offset the idea of having a baby with doris and i you know maybe there i I picture a fight but dom and doris it's especially like murray bartlett how we know him now like they're all they're all so great and they have like i i I picture a few uh, fights between them that are really great in my memory I I mean, the two of them, I mean, everybody is great, but the two of them, yes, I think I come special. in, yeah, they are very special, because, I mean, speaking of special, we know Lauren Weedman from doing the episode of Special, oh, God, that's right. yes. uh, focusing on Jessica Hecht and Lauren Weedman, so, like, yeah. we know her from that, we know her from Hacks as the mayor, um, so, like, I came into this loving her, and, of course, Murray Bartlett, I have watched him poop into a suitcase, we all have you know i mean that that, that was one of the, the the takeaways i had watching this because he is such a fucking babe in this movie oh my god and i thought i can look at this man and i can have seen him poop into a suitcase and yet i still love him that so, stash i know yeah i mean so maybe you know i i really think that this is a lesson in the ways you can love somebody, even when you've seen them poop into a yes. suitcase. Our imaginary boyfriends, yes. Yeah. And I think, like, even building upon, like, I don't know, the way that they navigated, because Doris eventually meets Malik. And, yes. like, it's it's sort of like that classic trope of having, like, your best gal pal and, like, your best gay. But it, it's sort of, it's navigated in this way that's, sort you know, they have, I mean, you see it in that sort of, like, kitchen scene, too, when they don't really know how to have those deep conversations, especially Doris, which I love. Like, she is mm. so closed off. Um, but she loves Dom, and it's, I don't know, it, it is a lot of showing, not telling, a lot of their interactions together, too. But, like, you know, uh, 
Dom kind of meets Scott Bakula and Doris then meets Malik. And then it's like, who are they now that they're sort of with these people? Mm-hmm. Also toying around with having a baby. Maybe. I don't know. But I feel and maybe that was just a throwaway line in the movie that I'm reading way too much into. And I could be wrong, but I, I feel like I'm right. I mean that, you know, uh, a reason to go back and watch sure, the two yes. seasons of Looking. Uh, so so Looking the movie, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're kind of jumping around in time in terms of like, you know, uh, the the narrative of looking because all of this yes. is like I guess it's nine months after the end of the second season. That's very specific. I did I did not know the timeline, oh, so I'll, I, I'll, I'll I, go with that. I think, sure. Yeah, I think Patrick said that he yeah. he had been in Denver for the past nine months, and so gotcha. uh, my understanding is that he uh, he ended things with Kevin, who was his boss at this tech company, yes. and they started this app together. And he ended that relationship, and he fled to Denver, as as one does. He just you know make geographical solutions to emotional problems. I've never yes. done that. <laughs> I've, shots fired yeah right like Shade rattle yeah yeah uh, in the wise words of mrs kasha davis clocked you know <laughs> <laughs> um and so he comes back to san francisco nine months later for the wedding of augustine and eddie and eddie of mm-hmm. course is played by daniel francesi 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 yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't really know Frankie J. Alvarez. I've never seen him in anything before who plays Augustine. He's really great. And he is like a fucking wreck in the series, like all over the place, sort of like just a mess. So this is like it's it's kind of interesting now because you're seeing him at the end of his journey and they have that conversation, him and Patrick, about like commitments, I guess. You know what I mean? But he is. He's a great character in the show. So, um, and I, I think he's one of the best actors in the show too. And I don't know if he's queer in any way, but he definitely plays it well. If he's not, let's see if IMDb. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, first like look Chat at his picture. Chat GPT is Frankie J. Alvarez. You know what? Honestly, why don't we find out? What? Well, let's test before I Chat do the old. Chat GPT. Fa- yeah. Yeah. This is a little Chat GPT corner. Okay. I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna. I'm going to speak. I'm not even going to type it. I'm going to speak to text it. Here we go. Is the actor Frankie J. Alvarez gay? (laughs) It even got the spelling right. Let's see. It was Um, all caps. I don't have access... I don't have it that information. Oh, don't get prudish on me. All right, oh I am. All right, IMDb. It's up to you, baby. Tell me who's. Tell me who his partner is. Oh, brother. Ain't got nothing. He is straight. Alvarez what? met his wife Leah Walsh as a first-year student while they both attended Juilliard. And they live in Astoria, Queens. Whoa! Oh my God! Oh, oh my goodness! Frank, ugh, you know, I'll 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 meet you outside of Rose and Joe's for a rainbow cookie. Yes. Oh my God! Now that you know who he is, he could now be your that- neighbor. He could be my neighbor. The whole time I thought it was Fran. It's really Frankie yeah. J. Alvarez. There it is. Fran for short. Fran for short. He's just been putting on a blonde wig and glasses and acting <laughs> yeah, like, like a Molly Shannon style. Yes. He's just been dragging it up. Um so anyway, so uh now did Patrick live with Augustine and Dordam when he was uh, back in the looking season one, season two era? That I can't remember. I feel like it was Patrick and Augustine. 
But I don't know if they all live together. I, I can't really remember. I'm sorry. But I feel like it was something like that. Like two of them live together and uh, I don't know. Well, those like are Dom his... was always separate. Yeah, yeah, so those are his like his San Francisco friends that he's he's seeing again as well as Doris, played by Lauren Weedman, and of course, uh, it looks like a, a a former love of sorts, Richie, played by Cha Cha Real Smooth alum Raul Castillo. Yes. So what happened with – well, you know what? Don't tell me because I'm going to watch the series. So, so I'll ask questions, yeah. but don't tell me too much because, you know, I'll watch the series. Yeah, I feel it's, it's kind of like um, maybe like a Grey's Anatomy sort of thing with like McDreamy and then Chris O'Donnell. You know what I mean? I feel like both uh. of them are – you know, one was a little – you know, one was his boss and the other one was just like a really good guy and he – ended up breaking both of their hearts to be honest so that's that's the story there that's all i'll say i oh that's interesting and you know we we did that episode of grays i mean i know thank you for that reference i knew exactly what you were talking about there we go uh and now we see that rule raul is with uh abbott elementary uh the abbott elementary's own chris perfetti as brady i screamed i was like oh my god yes i love this i love this brady is the worst we all know of brady we've all <laughs> yes in some way hopefully he's not in our friend circles anymore and i do feel for brady because he never had a chance once patrick came in, into town but um he's really great in this he he, he does what he's supposed to do he definitely, especially in the in the last scene when he's drunk, big James Kennedy energy. <gasps> yes. Oh, yes. he's so mean. He's so mean. He's so mean. He's so mean. And he's just that, like, I think Patrick has that line where, like, Brady is, like, the personification of somebody's blog that nobody reads. <gasps> oh, and, that's such a dig. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I just love, oh. I, I miss a blog as a reference. We don't talk about blogs anymore. I know. Ugh. But for some reason in that last scene, like that's where I felt for Brady the most because he was so fucked up that he like he knew, you know, this is the end, really. But like, you know, because there's that whole conversation about like how he's yelling at Patrick. He's like, what am I like? you know, the femme agenda or like, am I just, you know, and Patrick comes back or like, I'm sorry that I'm not who you, who like, that I'm all the worst things about the gay community. Yeah. You know, but there is something to that conversation. You know what I mean? Because Jonathan Groff is this perfect white, tall, hot, all American gay, you know, that like everyone loves. So I, I, I do love that fight. It's so good. It's a really interesting nuance that is again, a reason why I'm excited to watch the show is that Patrick is indeed everything you just said. He is, you know, just like a good-looking guy, white, tall, all all the kind of conventional um, standards of beauty he meets. He is, you know, uh, I, I feel like the he looks like the kind of guy where like you could you could imagine like oh I could you know bring him home to meet my parents, but he's also yeah. like you know um, straight presenting enough. Yeah, yeah, straight presenting enough. Like there's there's so many fantasies I think that you could put onto Patrick. And and it's interesting just from watching this movie, getting to know this character of like of how out of touch Patrick is with himself, even in this yeah. somehow like you know, all everyone's like, Oh, you've changed, like they're kind of noticing, like, oh, you've grown up a little or whatever, and it's like I think 
what's really fascinating and that they don't really say this out loud is Patrick is still kind of in the honeymoon stage of making a geographical change to solve an emotional solution. He believes he is a new person just because he might have lost a little weight or he dresses differently or he does a different job or he, you know, you know, starts his day with a glass of hot water. You know what I mean? Like whatever the thing he does now that makes him think like I'm the new me and I'm telling you, that old me is just is just waiting to jump out of a closet or a cupboard or the dryer at any point and scare the hell out of you. And he just it just hasn't happened to him yet. Yeah, I feel like that's why we need that next iteration of it too. It's like, where's Patrick now and how has he evolved? But I don't know. I mean, it would be great. I would love that. Oh no, I would love that. I feel that was yeah. like one of the things I wanted the most. By the end, it was like, oh man, where would these people be now? You know, and like, yes. who would they be? And and in terms of like their ages and like where they are, and like you know, are Augustine and Eddie still together? And and what does Dom evolve into? Because like, Dom is is fascinating as well. I mean, he Dom is like. I feel like, and I don't, again, the show probably has more context, but he he seems to see reality m- more clearly than Patrick does. Like I think he's got his own shit, but I don't think he has the same head in the clouds that Patrick does. He seems a yeah. little more grounded. Yeah, it's a different brand of baggage, but he still has his own demons too. And I, I that line of like you are not your father and I'm not your mother when him and Doris are talking mm-hmm. about that. And it says so much about yeah. without saying anything too. Well, and I think, you know, one of the dynamics, cause the, the, the movie itself, the story is just of really Patrick coming home for this wedding and, you know, trying to kind of put a bow on his time in San Francisco and, and, you know, see, you know, I don't know. It, exterminator exercise some old ghosts things like that but one of the the things that the movie briefly explores is the idea of patrick and dom kind of doing the entirety of when harry met sally in one scene oh my god i know and it i thought that scene was so it was like it almost felt uncomfortable and cringy but it was also effective because they're such great actors too and like you're, I mean, you especially are meeting them for the first time in this movie, too. So what did, what did you think? Well, first of all, we need to acknowledge the packs. We need to recognize <gasps> the packs. <Yes>. Best supporting packs. <laughs> Best We've supporting packs, it. yes. <laughs> We've all at some point thought, oh, that looks like a good idea and regretted it. The packs uh-huh. is... the. Anyone out there, if you, I don't care if it's the PAX 4, the PAX 27, the PAX 3000, I don't care what it is. You get two good hits on a PAX. Yep, that's all you get. And it's, I still have mine somewhere. somewhere. And and they're never good hits. They're just like, okay, well, that was a hit, you know? Yeah, was it something? Yeah. Yeah. And then you open the chamber and it's just like, well done weed. And you're like, well, it's not even really burnt what do i do with this you know and so anyway so they're laying in bed hitting the packs and they're sharing about and everybody i mean this this does bring up one thing is like these people in general are and certainly dom and patrick are much more physical than i am ever with like male friends i would never share a bed oh my gosh yes i was so i've let's have this conversation because the kissing on the lips 
Yes. Just like a lot. Just like the casual kissing on the lips, and just the like the the fact that like basically they have the scene where they 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 get a little stoned and they talk about you know Patrick kind of presents the idea of like you know what if what if we got together what if you're just this like obvious thing that's been sitting right in front of my face this whole time because I guess when Patrick first came to San Francisco or first met them he and Dom had like semi hooked up but like then just became friends so yep it's like well what if what if we what if we did go down that path and so i think what's interesting is that then dom ends up kind of stoned but also kind of in this weirdly compassionate moment like then starts kissing patrick and they have this kind of extended makeout moment and then they start laughing and and dom was like he's He's like, I don't know why I did that. I guess like you looked sad and you said you wanted me to, you wanted me to do something, you know, get back out there, or do something wild. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know. It, it wasn't like, it wasn't like this moment of true passion. I felt like it was, maybe this is attached to some of Dom's baggage. I don't know, but I felt like Dom was just being a fixer in that moment. Yeah. I think he's sort of a big brother to Patrick is the best way that I can explain it from like what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And they even say like, Oh, it's, I was like kissing your brother. Uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. And it's, and it is, it's a really funny little scene and it's kind of like, I think the original ending of when Harry met Sally, Harry and Sally were not going to get together. And oh, I wow. almost feel like this is what that would have felt like where they kind of realized like, no, this is, it's just weird. We tried it. It's weird. Um, there's that really funny moment where Dom says like, go again. And like, has that like big smile on his face. And I was like, yeah. yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, this is kind of a little bit of a detour, but I just want to say there's a great episode um, with Patrick and his mom. And I think it's like at Patrick's like sisters or brother's wedding and him and his mom have a great scene. And his mom is played by Julia Duffy. I don't know if you know her. Oh, thank you. I was just about to ask who plays his mother and you yeah. answered and, it. And I don't, I, she like kind of looks familiar, but kind of doesn't. I don't know. But I, I was looking through just the old cast of like the TV show and we have Mary Kay Place, Colin. Yes! Yeah. And yes! I don't, she just, I can't remember any, like she plays someone named Sarah. I don't know. We have Andrew Keenan Bolger, who's Celia's brother. We have oh, um, yes. a, uh, alum of the pod, Wesley Taylor from Smash, of course. Oh, of course. Dance Pants. Yes. And uh, Honey Mahogany, randomly. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because it's because she's San Francisco. She's San Francisco. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And what's her name? Uh, Julia Duffy. I know because I know she was on Newhart. Not that I watched Newhart. Um, and she was at some point a replacement on Designing Women in the later years. But uh, with uh, none other than I got to meet Jack Jan Hooks. So there's that connection. Uh, but otherwise, she's one of those people that I, I don't really know. I don't think she's ever been in JAG. Like, chat GPT, has Julia Duffy ever been in JAG? I won't. I, you know what? It's better we don't know. She has yeah. been in one episode of CSI Miami. I think that's good enough. There we go. Yes. Yeah. So... I'm not going to keep looking. I'm not going to keep looking. Okay, I stopped that's looking. Right. Um, but anyway, so that's like, there's that dynamic. There's the there's the Dom and Patrick dynamic. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, oh, and while we're talking about Dom and Patrick, we have to talk about 
one of my favorite lines in the movie when they're brushing their teeth and Dom says, oh my God, we're just like Julianne Moore and Annette Bening and the kids are all right. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and then he's like, who am I? And they I? say one of the lines. They say one of the quotes and I can't remember. Yeah. And, and I've actually like, never seen that movie. <gasps> oh. I, I mean, know. again, I, I have no room to talk, but I always thought that you had, oh, Mark Ruffalo. He's delicious in it. Because I think the quote was like, you're sleeping with him, aren't you? Yes, that's what it <laughs> is. An, yes, an yes, Benning line. Yes. Annette Benning is great. Oh, she's so good in it. Oh, okay. Well, well, I we mean. Need to, we need to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's got, you know, it's funny. Johnny and I just talked about this movie. Like, we went on a tangent about this movie. I don't know. One of our recent episodes. And one of the conclusions I came to was that I hate the actress who plays the daughter, Mia Wasikowska, I just can't stand her. Oh yeah. She's kind of like plain Jane, like she, Anna Karenina. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, she's just this alien know. Claire Danes that I just, yep. yeah. Uh, she's like translucent. In a way. Yes. Yeah. I, I just and feel like young... go ahead, go ahead. Martha Plimpton's creepy cousin, you know? Yes. But a young Josh Hutcherson, he's adorable in it. Oh yes. Um, and I love him. It's great. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And isn't what well, you know, while I'm on their IMDb page, uh let me just yeah. do a little, you know, I always I always scroll past where the where the nominations are. They should put it somewhere else. I um, know, yeah. That's not where I look. Um Well, I just wanted to see what the nomination situation was. And this of course, that was one of Annette Benning's best actress nominations. Um not to be confused with 20th century women. Yeah. Which we covered. Wow. Yeah. I, that movie, it, I don't know why I, I, it's like that movie and, and hysterical blindness. I like, I need to talk about it every episode. I just, <laughs> I just need to like bring it up every episode. I don't know why. I don't know. My feelings about that movie are so complex. And yeah, I, uh, yeah. I don't know what made me think of this. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Your no, please. There. Thank um, you. Please interrupt me. The um, you know that uh, thing that they do on Drag Race where the, where they'll do like Olivia Newton John Travolta, you know. Uh -huh. what I, mean? I want I want your runway to be like twentieth century women talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so good. Oh my oh. god! Oh, I mean... like you'd start out as what's her fuck, uh, what's her fuck, what's her nuts from twentieth century women, like the old lady, into like a twentieth century woman, you know? Oh, like you mean start out from like as uh, Sheila McCarthy with Ruth yes. and Cheryl? Oh, and then god, I yeah. Spin and I'm Greta Gerwig. Yeah. <laughs> you take your teeth out. <laughs> I take my teeth out. <laughs> oh god! Uh, yes. What a world He's where you dead. can where you can be Sheila McCarthy and then you can spin into Greta Gerwig. You what know? do you feel about the Barbie movie? I know we're going off the rails here. Maybe we can save that for the Patreon. Yeah. For the morning after show. If you yes. want to hear our thoughts on the Barbie movie, because who knows? Maybe that'll be a movie we do an episode on. Uh, I think we have to. We'll yeah. talk about that on the Best Sporting After Show, which is available at patreon.com slash BSA pod. Uh, I'm excited for that. Speaking of BSAs, so uh, Mark Ruffalo, the aforementioned delicious Mark Ruffalo, was nominated for Best Supporting he Actor. Was. Yeah. So um, doesn't look... Oh, and then Julianne Moore. She she and Annette got BAFTA nominations. So that makes me feel... And let's check the Golden Globes. Oh, Annette won the Golden Globe. <gasps> Who beat Annette that year? Was it... There's always like that ongoing joke that like... 
Oh, for the Oscars from like Million Dollar Baby, like won that year or something like that. Um, And every time she's nominated, yeah, go for it. I am going to find out. I'm going to find out for you why Annette Bening didn't win for The Kids Are All Right. All right, this was the year, this was the 2011 Oscars. This was the year of the King's Speech winning Best Picture, which you put my whole life on the line. I couldn't have told you that. Oh, God. That that movie was fine. Yeah. Fine. But, you know, happy for Colin. Yeah, I'm happy for Colin. Uh, There were 10 Best Picture nominations. That's bananas. Ooh, I love that. Um, Including Winter's Bone, which I just saw recently. Okay. Uh, So Colin Firth won for Best Actor. Uh, This was the year. Okay. This is an interesting mix. I'm so excited. So Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role. We had Annette Bening for The Kids Are All Right. We had Jennifer Lawrence's first Oscar nomination for Winter's Bone. We had Michelle Williams for Blue Valentine. Oh, she was so good. Uh, Which I also haven't seen. I hear it's very sad. I mean, that is, that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really rough, but beautiful. And she should have won, I mean, yeah, Michelle will get her moment. Yeah, uh, she had her Fosse Burden era. You know, that that's not nothing. Oh, God, yes. Uh, I carried you through charity. Uh, <laughs> a movie that I, I feel like we, we could do at some point, but uh, Nicole Kidman for Rabbit Hole. Diane Weist. Diane Weist, Rock in the Pocket, one of my favorite yes. monologues. And all of them were beaten out by Natalie Portman for Black Swan. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I would have never guessed that one. Yeah, well, you know, while we're here, because it's yes. our namesake, we have to also talk Please. about who were the nominees and the winner for Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role, which is also known as Best Supporting Actress. Uh, this was the year of Haley Steinfeld and True Grit, which is kind of a movie I'm never going to watch. Let's just yeah. say that in 2023, yeah. I'm not going to put it on the list. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> Fair enough, <laughs> yes. Uh, Helena Bottom Carter for The King's Speech. Yes. Uh, Jackie Weaver for Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny enough, years later, Jackie Weaver and Jennifer Lawrence would be nominated the same year again oh, yeah. for the same categories for Silver Linings Playbook. Yep. Uh, and that was the year that we had Amy Adams in The Fighter. And who's this MTV <gasps> girl? Melissa Leo. Yes. We love Melissa Leo. Oh my God. I love her so much. Yeah. Uh, Who's this MTV girl? So, and that, of course, speaking of which, Mark Ruffalo lost to Christian Bale in The Fighter. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, that's hard. I, I, I fully support both of those supporting wins. I love a good. Supporting actor, supporting actress win from the same movie. Yeah. That's a nice pairing. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. It's like, what what were those people doing? Uh, but yeah. we know. Ah, oh, The Fighter was so good. That movie was so good. Oh. It's so good. I'd watch it anytime. If I still had cable and it was on, you know, TBS or TNT, yep. characters welcome. I'm Characters I'm are welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I would watch Amy Adams beat up, beat up a bunch of sisters on her porch, you know? Oh, God. I mean... It's it's like up there with like notes on a scandal for me. Like yeah. as far as just like it's good acting, but it's also camp and it like it shouldn't work, but it does and it's it's beautiful. It really is. Yeah, no. I I really think Melissa Leo is 
It is. Melissa Leo is absolute camp like in that movie. Turkey neck. Yeah. Uh, right. What do you think you're talking to? It's MTV girl, you know? And, oh, uh, God. Because I know people. Oh, my God. She's a yes. queen. Yeah. You owe me $200. <laughs> uh, and I just I think of that white suit, that white, like, little power suit she wears with uh, the hair. Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. And those sisters, those monstrous sisters. I love them. I yeah. love them so much. Well, um, speaking of sisters. Speaking of sisters, you know who's not anyone's sister? Doris. Uh, yeah, I'm like, Doris. Doris had such big Carrie Fisher energy. She did. And I was worried for a second, too, because I thought she would come across as too broad at first. Because there is, I would venture to say, the first 20 minutes of this Although I do love seeing them, like it, it, it's establishing Patrick coming back and everyone's excited to see him and there's a lot of kissing, but it is a lot of like, let's get to the point here. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I want to get to the good stuff. Um, and, and Doris comes in with like a lot of those big broad lines, but like she does it in a way that it doesn't feel like that. I don't know that that like annoying girl or a woman. She's a woman, and I think that really helps her in a way. Like she, you know who she is just by looking at her in this movie. Yeah, I I feel like that's that's such an interesting dynamic of like the the straight female friends with the group of gay men, and I feel like there's so many stereotypes about that. There's you know not a a lot of negative ones. You know, straight women in my book are. You know, it's not about them being welcomed at the table. They're a part of the, you know, they're they're an implicit part of the table. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be here without straight women. And so, like, a character like Doris is like, of course you're a part of this. Like, of course you are an integral part of this group. But I think what I like about her is that, like, she's, she's I don't know. There, there's nothing uh, I guess the best way I could put it is like the stereotype of this character is very vapid and I feel like she is she's definitely got has her dysfunctions but like I also feel like she has especially for someone like Patrick a very good head on her shoulders exactly I, I feel like it's that Oprah clip where she's talking about either like Gail or someone else she's like she's the sister I never had mm -hmm. she's the mother I've always wanted yes but she is like she is like the den mother she is the cool aunt she's the cool cousin and she's also your sister and she's gonna like that scene with Patrick at the bar and she's like hey I, I see this I see what you're going through and just like know that you're gonna get through it I fucking loved that you yeah. need someone to say that and you need someone you need that person to be older and have that experience for it to like to fully resonate, I guess, to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. In that scene, she says this misery thing, it passes if you want it to. And <gasps> oh, thank you for. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love that because she's I mean, she's definitely much older than than Patrick. Like she's I think so, too. Yeah. Because Lauren Weedman, I mean, if we're going by the actor's ages, like she was born in like 1969. Um, mm -hmm. And then he was born. I don't know. He, he's 30 in the in the show or in the movie. So like yeah. we can assume that's about, you know, about accurate. But like she is. Um, and I, I would assume, you know, Patrick is is one of the younger of the bunch. I feel like Dom is older. Um, yeah. But. I feel like, yeah, that dynamic is important that like she is older and wiser and like she she knows more about, you know, what Patrick is going through, even if she is somehow like 
on a different path. Like as a, she yeah. knows his gay story better than he does, you know? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, it's like Patrick and Augustine are, are are just like the young bucks, really. And mm-hmm. and I guess Richie throw him in there too. And like I guess even Kevin, but because you it's so smart to have that. It's almost like having even though Samantha and Sex in the City doesn't feel I mean, I know she is a couple years older than the rest of the gals, too. But, like, you have to have someone to... It's such a smart balance for that sort of group. Because if you just had all young gay men in their, like, late 20s, it would be a mess, you know? I mean, but it Mm -hmm. is kind of a mess, too, at the same time. But it's balanced by that. Well, and again, like, not that, you know, it's just an easy comparison. But queer as folk, it was like, unless it was like, you know, one of them was, was dating an older, wiser person, like there was sometimes the only like voice of reason was like Sharon Glass or the uncle, you know what I mean? So it was a lot yeah. of, it's like watching these, these fucked up people in their twenties just like make mistakes. And so, um, yeah, like it, and I think maybe that's also why I am so curious to see like a sequel to this set in 2023. Cause it's like, I want to see these people older. I want to see, I want to see them growing out of, you know, we, we kind of see in the movie Augustine feeling that he has to say goodbye to like the, his clubbing life and like all of the fixtures of his non-married mm-hmm. life. And I feel like that is an experience that, I don't know, I certainly know that feeling at this point where I'm like, yeah, I, I, I used to go out a lot. That was like multiple nights a week. And um, those days are kind of few and far between and are probably not yeah. going to happen in the way that they used to ever again. And I think, especially for gay men, the idea of growing out of a very youth-based kind of traditional way of interacting is very scary. And I guess I just want to see people confront that. Especially in a city, too, especially Mm -hmm. San Francisco, for God's sakes, too. It's like, it's like, you know... Fat, flat, flashing forward, like Doris would have her baby with Malik. Mm-hmm. Dom, I don't know where Dom would be. I'd be really interested to know where Dom is. But Patrick and like, would it be Patrick and Richie's wedding, or right. you know, like, I, what would be the occasion? It's not going to be a girls' trip, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, right. Um, but right. I'd, I'd be interested in that. And uh, yeah, in the state of Augustine and um, and uh, what's his fit? What is his name? Why can't Eddie? I remember? Eddie's marriage, yeah, 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 and where they are, and I'm interested. I mean, I'm sure you are, even from the the hour and twenty five minutes. Like it, it, they are really well thought out characters. Yeah, I would even love to see like what does Kevin look like, you know, ten years on, because I that's a really interesting subplot as well, where Patrick meets up with Kevin again to kind of, you know, have that like that final conversation like let's just kind of you know and and i think his idea of the final conversation and his his idea of like okay i want to just sign over the rights to this app and and you know just i don't know uh he's got this kind of naive idea of what it means to get closure and i feel like the conversation he thought he was going to have with kevin is not the one they end up having Yes, we need to talk about Kevin. Let's break because I think this coffee shop scene is so great. I think Russell Tovey is so great. Those ears. Oh, oh my gosh. That one, that twink that Patrick hooks up with that first night, he was like, oh, those oh, yeah. ears. I could tug on them. <laughs> Which I kind of, to go back on that, I've, I've made like a very like short list, not saying that that takes away from the quality of the writing too, but like things that the writing got right, like after a hookup, 
like kind of talking to this like stranger and like realizing you kind of know the same people and like、mm-hmm. you're just sharing Chinese food. It's like I didn't really like my hookup phase of my life. You know, it wasn't as extensive, but like. It felt natural. It felt like this does happen. You know, you hook up, you have sex, you do whatever, and then you chat, and then it's you kind of go along. Your, I, I really did like that scene in a lot of ways. I did too. I love that scene. I love, and I agree that was one of the notes I took. Was like this kind of postcoital talk in the、yeah. kitchen. It was like this is very realistic because it's like, yeah, this person is, you know, they were basically a stranger maybe an hour ago. But then you like skipped ahead, like a a number of kind of steps of intimacy, and like kind of cheated the system a little bit. And so when it kind of goes to veering back to making small talk, for some guys it can be like this weird, I don't know, this weird cognitive dissonance where it's like you realize you're being weird with me. We just had sex, and now you're、yes. acting like I'm a stranger. It's like I have seen angles of you you can't see with a hand mirror, honey, and. <laughs> I so I, I I kind of love when it works out as like it ends up creating this kind of immediate. The small talk can be about anything, you know what I mean? Like I feel like、yeah. what I liked in that conversation was Patrick was really kind of opening up about what happened, you know, in the past year in San Francisco, and it's like, yeah, why why would you just talk about the weather and where you work? You we we just saw you eating this guy's ass. Just get to the get to the meat of the matter, you know? Yeah, which was far better than any White Lotus bullshit. I was like, thank you for getting、oh. this like. Pretty right here, or at least giving us a little bit of you know get in there. Yeah, I know. I, was, I know. I was like, no, that is where the butthole is.、And、yes, there was this part of me that felt like it. It was almost. It was almost like a joke. Like I feel like sex with Pat. Like the sex with Patrick. I was like, this is what I would expect. Is like. Patrick would really get off on like being told he's good at it, and that he would also think that like his dick was so big that it hurt going in. Like there was just like、yeah. so many moments where I was just like, it wasn't like oh Patrick's bad in bed. He's probably very good in bed, but like there were just these little nuances thrown in. Row is like oh this is how this is the kind of sex Patrick likes to have. Yep. And just the nuance of Patrick standing in the kitchen with no bottoms on. He just had a shirt. I don't know if you noticed that. I, I was did. Like, yes.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm assuming he had like some sort of like booty shorts or something because you really don't see any kind of briefs or anything there. He's kind of like tugging at his shirt. To yeah. But like, but I I just thought that was that was really great. I think that guy's name was Jimmy, and the Chinese food always looks looks great. But anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. But, back to Kevin. Yes, yes, but Kevin comes up in that conversation, and it turns out, of course, small world that Jimmy knows who Kevin is. Um, but yeah, then Patrick decides like he needs to, you know, find some peace with with Kevin, and they and they meet for coffee. And they meet. I'm for sorry,、coffee. I thought <laughs> I thought you were going to keep going. I they meet for coffee, yes, and I think this is where like I guess it's like the best representation of. Where I was like the most annoyed with Patrick because he kind of just forgets what he did to him, and I can't really fully remember either too. But like you are, I feel like, and Keon made this point too. Like at the end of season two, you're on、um, Patrick's side of this like Patrick and Kevin dynamic, but in this, you're certainly on Kevin's side, or at least like what he's calling out to Patrick. Like you ran away, you didn't want to make it work. And Patrick, I guess he just didn't think it was that serious because it it was this sort of like fling with your boss. It's like, and then he was also juggling Richie on the side too, that he had this like really emotional connection with. And Kevin, 
it's like that classic situation where like Kevin liked Patrick more than Patrick liked Kevin. And mm-hmm. but I think it was like a healthy talk too that they had to have. And I'm glad Kevin got to say what he needed to say. Yeah, because Patrick, his idea is he's like, you know, isn't it better to quit than to kind of just like go on pretending things are working? Like, you know, because in his mind and like, you know, I've again, I have no idea what this is like. He turns to the solution of just like cut and run in the middle of the night, you know, just like and this narrative right away. Don't don't belabor it any longer. And I I think, you know, where that that conversation conversation ends up going where Patrick saying to Kevin like did you really think that like it was going to work out between the two of us and then you know and I one of my favorite lines and deliveries in the movie was was Kevin saying I'd like to have given it a shot and it's oh. like and he's so heart like you could the heartbreak is in his voice and it's so represents two very clear points of view of like let's at least give it a shot you you know you find out and you fail, at least you found out versus like, you know, I, it's not a sure thing. Like what if thing, what if things fail? It's not worth trying. And I just, it was such a, by that moment I was like, Oh, I don't know the whole story, but I think I'm team Kevin now. Yeah. And Oh my gosh. I mean, to, to just like the icing on the cake is when they're, they're outside and Kevin's like, you know, he's about to leave. And he says like one last hug and Kevin, like Kevin, kisses patrick yeah and the way that he hugs him and tugs his ears Mm. i just like i can't explain how much i love that choice how much it like said about like what they had you know maybe it was something that he used to do that he the way he used to say goodbye to patrick or maybe it was just some choice in the moment too but and and finally i mean obviously the conversation led up to that but like i feel like it really kind of hit patrick like what he did to this man yeah and and who's now with somebody else and you know is and and it's kind of interesting like you know he then he walks away and he you know goes down the train station and like we watch him you know the camera stays on him all the way till he leaves and it's totally that feeling of like wow uh, this is the last i'm ever going to see of this person isn't it like we've all had that like those moments of like as this person walks away i will never see them again and and the fact that Kevin like offered Patrick a job because Kevin is leaving the company, he's moving to the UK with his new partner boyfriend. Yeah, and and he's like, well, why are you being nice to me? And he's like, because I love you. And it's just, I don't think he'll ever stop loving him, but like he's got to move away to try. Right, right. Which is ironic because that's you know what Patrick did. Yeah, you know. Yes. Um, but you know, it, it's it it is an interesting idea of almost like you know, here have have the company have san francisco have you know kind of the scene of the crime it's all yours i'm leaving um yeah and i feel like that's it it is interesting to kind of watch patrick navigate the possibility of coming back and how quickly he's considering it and you know we don't really hear too much about denver we know that it's close to home uh or like where he grew up but like we don't really hear too much about his life there and again and i've Having done this, having moved to Sac, having picked up and moved to Sacramento, having picked up and moved to Melbourne, Australia, having you know picked up and moved all over the city, I can say that like nine months is not a long enough period of time to like feel like you live somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they're both leaving, or like I guess they left slash are leaving for different reasons. Do Patrick left? He didn't really have heartbreak. I think he caused heartbreak, but he felt like he had to get away with it, whereas Kevin is leaving because of heartbreak. Yeah. He has to get out. They're two totally separate things. But 
I feel, I almost said I feel bad, but I wish we would have got more Richie. Like, I, there's so much more there, too. And, like, I, I but I, I'm, I'm sure you got a, a, enough of a taste of Raul Castillo, too. But, like, I just, I just think he's such, like, a, a quiet, understated actor. And there's so much, like, beneath the surface of Richie, too. And he's such a sensitive soul. And he's just, like, I feel like he's been hurt so much, too. Like, in, in that last moment, too, when, they're at that diner, and don't worry, folks. We're still going to talk about Tyne Daly. She's she's the last one on. The oh list. yeah, we start and but, end um, with Tyne. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's Tyne for Tyne. Yeah. Um, but I, it almost felt like this sort of like you're making the wrong decision. Like, but we're led to believe that Patrick, through having these conversations with Kevin and through being back in San Francisco and kind of reflecting a little bit, understands fully. How much he hurt both of those men, really, but I think he understands what he had with Richie. Because Richie was with Brady the whole time, and that was so weird. So, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll when we go back and watch, we'll we'll find more Richie, because there's so many great moments. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, kind of what, what ends up happening, you know, as we're talking about people leaving San Francisco, it's like, ultimately, I, you know, obviously, folks, you know, spoilers, you know, about, what, like an hour yeah. into the episode, spoilers, Um but, you know, by the end of the episode, it's like then Richie, there's, you know, sort of a classic romantic comedy moment. Uh, and, and you know, while this is romantic comedy month, I would say this is romantic comedy-ish. You know, sure. there's certainly a lot of funny moments, a la Doris. But uh, there is always the classic moment of, like, the the romantic uh, reconnection. You know, the scene on the airplane and Crazy, crazy Rich Asians. Or, yeah. um, you know, there's just like, there's that moment where it's just like, oh, he's here. And Richie comes back to the club after he and Brady leave. Yes. And, uh, and then they kiss. And then as they're, you know, walking up Castro Street after that, and Richie's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I need to leave San Francisco. Like, I'm planning on leaving and going to Texas. Like, I need to get out of here. And... You know, and then Patrick's like, oh, but like, I just got a job offer to stay. And like, for Richie, it's it's a similar, vaguely similar to Kevin's experience where it's like, oh, please don't create a temptation for me to stay. Like, please don't. Like, this is, what am I going to do with this news? And then when Patrick is like, well, maybe I'll come with you to Texas. I was like, oh, my God. (gasps) Oh, no. This is like, if I was Richie, I guess my alarms would be going off. And so what's interesting is by the end of the movie, we don't get any kind of verbal confirmation. Like Richie does like end up putting his head on Patrick's shoulder, but like they've also been drinking all night. And like, I, as I'm talking about it, I'm realizing like, Oh, I feel like the next morning, maybe nothing happens. I know. It's like the fan fiction of this. It's because even the way that Patrick kind of just it's like they're not having a conversation on the street he's kind of just like making advances really towards Richie you know and Richie it it feels wrong it's like I feel like Patrick should be on his knees like begging for Richie to like understand like to forgive him and he's kind of just like let me just kiss you instead and like we'll figure out the details later but for some reason like like you're saying too, that classic romantic comedy or, you know, a romantic movie, like it, it works, but it doesn't feel as good in this situation. No. And, and I, I 
kind of love that. I kind of love, especially yeah. if that's like intentional of like, oh, this is because the way it's all filmed, even the like the the crane shot at the end rising over the, the you know the Castro, it all is ending like a beautiful romantic comedy. Um, yeah. But it's like, no, this is not like. This is not necessarily happily ever after, but I kind of love that on purpose. Like, I love the idea that, you know, Patrick is kind of on this high and he's drunk and, you know, oh, Richie, let's get back together. And Richie is probably feeling all kinds of feelings. And I feel like we end the story on an uncertain note with them. We end the story with an uncertain note about Doris and and she and Malik, you know, trying to have a baby. Um I feel like we're just at the beginning of Dom kind of going through some kind of new chapter that we're never going to explore yeah. um, that only sort of uh, tangentially includes this hot Chicago Jake guy who's there for the wedding. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But like we also like there's no conclusion to Don's story, Dom's story. The, the, probably the, the most sense of finality is with Kevin um, because even Eddie and Augustine, it's like they're going into this, both of them navigating cold feet and, and fears yeah. and, and whatnot and, and kind of uh, like Augustine even feeling like this is not who I this is not who I plan to be at this point. This is not who I yes. came to San Francisco to be. Um, and so I, I love that. I love that overall there is this this uncertain beat that everything is ending on, but it's being shown to us as if it's happily ever after. Yeah, I, it's great in a way and does set up for like, you know, where are they now? Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, you know, she's been, she's been doing weddings for, for 18, 20 years. Is she Ugh. still doing them 10 years later? It's justice of the peacetime daily. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> She's, you know, she is, of course, a queen on this podcast. Uh, you know, hello, my name is Doris. Best supporting Roz is a, oh my Roz, she's a, she's mm. a treasure to us on this podcast. Yes. Um, maybe one of my favorite supporting characters we've ever talked about is Roz, yeah. uh, and of course Caroline Aaron. Um, I know that that scene, the bridge yeah. scene, or whatever the card scene. game they're yeah. playing, yeah. knocking. Oh yeah. my gosh! Or her, you know, in the trailer, her chasing that person around that like elevated mm -hmm. track at the gym. Ugh. Oh, she has a great yeah. roar. And I mean, I will be coming to New York to see her in doubt. We have to go see that. Oh, my God. We, it's, it's, a, it's a must. It's a must. Well, and I don't know if you saw that 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 West End production of Cabaret is coming to Broadway. <gasps> with what's her face? Yeah. I mean, it, it might not be whoa. with what's her face. With oh, that's right. Amy Lennox. I think it's her name because I thought it was Annie Lennox. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. But yeah, so that production is coming to Broadway. So you're going to have to come a, a few three times. Oh my goodness! So yeah. much great theater. Yeah, but um, but walk us through Tyne as Justice of the Peace. What did you love about her? Well, a it's just it's just that Tyne daily delivery. I mean, if Doris if, if Doris Weedman if Lauren Weedman is making you know potentially making a script look like natural dialogue, she's only learning from Tyne on set because Tyne Daly is the queen of making a line sound like natural dialogue. Yeah. And then another great sort of sounding board for Patrick. Um, you know, he's kind of thinking through things and she's there to just kind of, you know, give him whatever she's learned over the years, the knowledge. And the best part of all, because, you know, he's got all these kind of questions and concerns about committing and how do you know and, you know, and people having cold feet and and 
the joke of it all is that like she's not even married you know that she wears a fake ring as a prop because as you so eloquently put it at the beginning of the episode you know <laughs> nobody wants a fat trainer you know um yes but she's i mean she's just so lovely and i i i feel like a woman like Justice of the Peace Time Daily, I just gravitate to. And anything she says, I take as the word of God. I just, she must be right. She's a Justice of the Peace for God's sake. Yeah, she just like, she owns that second floor. It's They were yeah. just kind of out in the open, which I liked. And she's just kind of like, ah, take your time. Yeah, like, she was uh, so, cold feet. Yeah. She was so patient. She'd seen it all. And I just, I mean, oh yeah, she's probably in the movie for like three minutes. And... Oh God! It was just what a get, what a get to get time daily. Yeah, a breath of fresh air, and I, I'm so glad that she had that moment because I, I truly thought it was just going to be something quick. But I, I feel like who, that casting director knew what they had in their hands when they got time. Yeah, it's like when they had Anne Dowd in that episode of the other two. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We just, never talked about it. No, it's like oh, it's crazy. I'm looking at time. I mean, time daily's IMDb is too long to even scroll like has she been in an episode of jag i doubt it she's tying daily for god's sake um but uh, oh she was in gray's anatomy oh okay yeah oh i mean she played a scent no she played carolyn shepherd for two episodes she was also a mama rose in gypsy too that's right oh that's right yeah. yes, she's been a mama rose she was uh marie callis in Masterclass. yeah um yeah oh my god we need to get we need to get more time daily on this podcast. I don't know how we're going to do it, but if if it means a month of time, deal with it. <laughs> Valentine. Valentine. Oh. Why have we not been doing Valentine's Day every year where we talk about yeah. a movie with time daily? Uh, Galentine's, all of time's best gal. Yes. Pals. Oh, my oh, God. My Oh, we could. Yeah. We, oh, okay. All right. Well, we have a plan for next February. If the good yeah. Lord sees fit to keep us on this earth, yeah, we're, gonna we're do, still on this earth. If we're still on this earth, you know, we are going to do Valentine's Daily. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. That, that sounds lovely. And I, I mean, I know Jamie Lee's pretty much got it in the bag at the West Ends for Woman of the Year, but Tyne, I don't know. What, who knows what will happen in the next couple of months? I know. I mean, at the very least, she will be getting Best Featured Ensemble, a la yes. Darcy Carden and other people. But it's it's going to, especially after what she did in The Bear, it's going to be really hard to beat Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee. But there will be at least, I mean, I don't want to spoil the Westons for anybody. It's October when they come out. Um, but I, I think the biggest discussion is is the Sheila McCarthy recognition that we'll be doing. Cause there is, you know, there is the Beatrice Strait. No, maybe that was a nuancey award. There is like the, the, um, excellence. There's the Rita Moreno, the Rita Moreno like comedic excellence or something. I, I feel like it went to in, pen 15 or something. Yeah. Or excellence in nuance or something like that. Maybe, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Like I think Martha Plimpton maybe got it last year or the whole cast Ugh. of mass, but, um, I just want I want people to know that well Jamie Lee is 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 kind of the the secretariat of this race, you know. Um yes. the sea biscuit of of BSAs this year. <laughs> there is a there is a special little trophy with Sheila McCarthy's name on it. Oh, I know. 
that'll be really exciting to plan. Yeah. And something for time. And maybe something That's for time. Right. You know? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Are we going to have to do one of those Spider-Man movies? She's in the, the Spider-Man movies. Doesn't she play like the ant? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Aunt I, May. Aunt May. Doesn't she? Uh, oh, she was in Judging Amy with Amy Brenneman, which we love. Of course. Yes. She was in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, that's kind of cool, though. Yeah, it's two hours and 13 minutes. Woof. Yeah, but Marissa Tomei is a fourth build Marissa Tomei. Okay, I'll take yeah. that. Um, yeah, so who knows? Anyway, I don't want to go down a Spider-Man rabbit hole. Um, any other any other thoughts on uh, looking the movie? No, I think this was like I'm so glad this worked out. I'm so glad I remembered it, I guess, and I I really want to rewatch this and see what I get this time around because it just feels like that kind of it's cuz you know the question that we didn't ask, but I feel like it's so hard to. It's like it's like are you a Carrie, a Samantha or, you know, are you a Patrick? Are you a it may be un, unfair to ask you at this point, but I would love to have that conversation like when we eventually go back and watch the series too. Yes, actually that would be, I would love to to look at it from that lens of like, who do I identify with? Because like with Queer as Folk, it was like, I guess Hal Sparks, you know, because it yeah, was right. like, well, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not Gail Howard or whatever his name was. Yes. Um, but in any event, yes, that would be fun. Because I also feel like there's that level of like, in what ways do I not want to accept that I'm being a Patrick? Oh yeah, I think we all are or have yeah. been at some yeah. point. Yeah. Patrick is an indictment. Yeah. Yes. Uh well, uh I am looking at the well. orchestra and they're <laughs> queuing up to play us off. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're doing it. They're playing us off with some with some some nonsense. Gay some music. gay shit. Some gay music. Well, you know, they and, and this is I think what they're playing us off with, but there was one of my favorite covers uh, is the alternate cover of Automatic that gets a nice featured moment in this movie at the club at the after the wedding when they're all dancing at the club. Oh, um, it's a cover of a Pointer Sisters song, and both the Pointer Sisters version and the alternate version are excellent. And so it was nice. So I think that we are being played off by we're being played off by the Pointer Sisters. Ugh heaven yeah it's taken long enough we need to be played off by the pointer sisters oh and marco's here to lay on the table on all of my cords so who knows if this is even still being recorded uh anyway uh where can folks uh, find more of you if they're looking Wow. You can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram and Threads. What? You can talk about that on the Best Supporting After Show at Nick Kachanov. How about you? Well, you can find me coming to the tail end of covering All Stars 8 of Drag Race on All Right Mary. And you can find me just on Instagram right now at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can find both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And uh, keep those peep and peepers peeled. And you know what peepers like to do? They like to look, look, looking, the end of the name of the movie. Um, well, keep them peeled. Keep them peeled because 
uh, you know, just over there is the Best Supporting After Show, where we are going to be catching up on all kinds of things. I've got some some Real Housewives things to talk about. Talk about uh, the Barbie movie. Talk about yeah. the Barbie movie. We're going to talk about Threads. Uh, if you want to get all that and more, plus early access to episodes just like this, you can join us at patreon.com slash Pod. Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, I think it's time for you and I to get into two pre-owned lease Toyota Tercels named Ruth and Cheryl and get the hell out of here. Let's... Yeah, and you know what? That, as they say, is that.